yeah, it is, it is 90 degrees right now in Columbus, Ohio. And I did not sign up for this. I have you beat 97. <laughs> and probably more humid, but my daughter uh, was doing a scavenger hunt the other day with her friends in the neighborhood. And, and she's like, dad, the, the paper was instantly felt like a sponge that I was holding with like the things oh. that were supposed to go fine. She's like, this is just Gross. not, but of course she still wants to move to somewhere warm. She's like, isn't this weather amazing? She's the only one. Oh, she likes it. <laughs> yes. My, the rest of us, not so much. It's mm-hmm. warm here also, but Right now, it's raining so hard you can't see the neighbor across the street, so it can't be that warm right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear your thunder. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is coming. Let me check some recording settings here. Okay, perfect. I think we are good. Yeah, the weather is. I'm more annoyed with it than the than the market right now. <laughs> That's saying a lot. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. I'm Kevin Oakley and with me is Becca Thomas and Julie Jarnigan. Hi. Hello. Becca, you're off to another, are you allowed to talk about what's happened in your personal life yet? Oh yeah, for sure. We're allowed now. So you currently (laughs) live where? I live in North Carolina in Greensboro. And so Mike and I were talking at, at our, our regular weekly meeting. And we thought, you know what, in in this market condition, we need some boots on the ground intelligence as what's really happening, (laughs) you know, during the pandemic. And before we had all these people buying and selling to give you all updates. In fact, Becca, you were part of the, that uh, you and Andrew were both building at the same time, giving everyone insights yeah. of what's happening. So Becca volunteered to to put her house up for sale and move to another yes. state. Yeah, we're moving to Iowa City, Iowa. So have you ever been to everyone. Iowa City, Iowa? <laughs> I have never been to Iowa City, mm-hmm. Iowa. I have been to Solon, which is I think 20 minutes north. And I have been to Des Moines. When you first heard on a scale of one to 10, how excited, be honest, how excited were you when someone said Iowa is where you're going? Oh, did she just freeze because of the storm? storm. (laughs) I was instantly like, we're going to edit that out because Becca really doesn't want to talk about this. I might have made her cry. The look on her face when it froze. (laughs) If only we we could show people. Thankfully, (laughs) it was just the storm. All right. Well, let's just assume that it wasn't a 10 out of 10 level of excitement, but I was actually a great place. Very affordable, good agriculture, all like fresh corn, I imagine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to skip her story time segment, Julie. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Uh, I do. We were talking the other day with a builder about a topic I like, which is writing. They were looking for a new writer. And it was one of those conversations we had that after we talked to them, I was like, oh, I should have said that. And I should have said that too. So I thought about other things. So I'll just share it here. So uh, they were looking for somebody. They said, we want to hire, you know, part-time or, you know, freelance. How do Mm -hmm. we find a writer? We kind of gave our basic answers. We give Upwork's great for that online. 
you had suggested find a nearby college or university, hire somebody from there. We have another builder who uses an AI company to help with that, like to start them off. I think Jasper AI, is that the one she uses? Yeah, uh-huh. um, Jasper. To kind of kick it off. So we had some of those ideas, but the number one thing whenever I was working for Ideal Homes, so the problem was that they would just hand you this floor plan that just kind of looked like any other floor plan. And it's like, okay, we need like three interesting paragraphs about this. And you're just trying to find. And so I would, it would take me forever to figure out some good features about this floor plan. Well, then the person in charge of creating these floor plans started sending out company-wide emails explaining these floor plans. And they were amazing. Like he had so many good insights into like, this is why we did this. And we put these windows here because of this. Yeah, it didn't just like fall out of the sky. Someone was making a decision. Exactly. And he was really excited about it because that's what he did. So he had strong feelings about how amazing this floor plan was. Also with our developer who was in charge of like land acquisition and putting the communities together, you know, to us, the community name or the the street names are just that they're just street names. But once I started talking to him and he could give me five minutes about here's why we chose this and this is why we did the entrance like this. And so sometimes I think we get hung up on the writing, but sometimes it's like the work before the writing that is really the most important part. Like you kind of need to gather that excitement from somebody who knows what's going on to get you a little excited about it and have something to write about. So sometimes it's the, and even when you're hiring a freelancer, sometimes what you need to focus on is the 10% before. I read this in an article somewhere, focus on the 10% before and the 10% at the end and let them do the 80% in the middle. So you Mm -hmm. really need to do your pre-work to get all that information and content. Then you can let somebody else write that middle part and do that work. And then you need to do the end and clean it up and make sure it fits your brand and your tone and all those things. So anyway, after the fact, I was like, oh, I should have talked about that too. So I think that's really insightful because the other way I think to look at that is just, yes, it's having someone who can write, but a lot of times there's this institutional knowledge. And when you provide the writer, you're just like, here's the, here's the Excel file, or here's the dump of all of whatever else has already been written. Because mm-hmm. it is a challenge to have someone else in your department, like, hey, I'd like for you to to spend 15 minutes talking to this person who's going to write about X, Y, or Z. And a lot of people feel uncomfortable about, you know, that experience of, of having an interview. So the other thing that, that that triggered for me is I used to just go to lunch with the architect or mm-hmm. someone in construction and, and just hit record on my iPhone and the voice memos and record the conversation back and forth because they would feel more comfortable just going to lunch with me than hopping on a call with a stranger and feeling like they're on the spot, you know, giving an interview um, as well, because everyone likes lunch, but (laughs) that's awesome. Becca, you've returned. I thought I returned. I thought I, I really insulted you. So we're going to, we're, we're just going (laughs) to pretend that never happened. Um, that I thought it was great. That's what we called Bob Ross's a happy accident. Oh, okay. So how excited were you when you got the word it was Iowa? I was negative 50%. (laughs) We keep it real always here. Yeah. I was like, I had actually just told my husband I would go anywhere but there. Oh, wow. And, you know, maybe two months later, he was like, so they want to send me here. And I'm like, for how long? (laughs) 
<laughs> so it'll turn out to be all right. To, now, now we have two things we have to follow up on, though. One is the yeah. the search for the new home in Iowa. And of course, yes. um, audience participation is allowed. If you have an inside scoop for Becca on something in Iowa City, yeah. show it, doyouconvert.com. Shoot us an email and we'll get you connected. ASAP. But 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 how about selling the ex- or are you selling the existing house? You're going to Yes, turn it- we're selling the existing house because they won't commit to us coming back to this site. Uh, actually, I shouldn't have even asked that Becca because yeah. as part of the assignment we told you you had to sell your existing house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we're Just selling. To- <laughs> actually, and my neighbor is relocating as well. They are Really? They put their house on the market last Friday. And they had appointments Friday and Saturday, an open house on Sunday. On Monday, it was under contract. So hopefully that'll happen for us. But who knows? Because we did have that nice little present this week of higher interest rates. So mm. it, that may or may not be to our advantage. I don't know. We'll find out. I think you're going to be just fine. Uh, so you're you're selling by yourself or using a realtor? How are you, how are you doing this? We're actually going to do a, a realtor for the first time in uh, I've ever owned a home. So oh, wow. <laughs> other than purchasing, yeah, I've always sold myself with, you know, our DIY. Because you were an agent. Yeah. I was the world's worst agent, but I was an agent. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We need to go back to the first time you were on the podcast where you, where you shared that you were the world's worst real estate I know, agent. I don't remember the story. I need to do this too. I am not an extroverted person. And in fact, I will go out of my way to like not talk to people if I need to. (laughs) And that makes it rather difficult when your job is to be relatable and help people through a stressful time in their, in their lives. So I just was not great at it. (laughs) (laughs) I was good at the marketing part, but just not the sales part. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, keep us updated on on how the process goes. We'll keep everyone informed, but I don't think you're going to have a problem selling your house at all. The amount of appreciation and North Carolina being one of the better places in the country. And you said there's no other homes up for sale in your neighborhood currently? Yes, correct. Because everything is sold. And actually, I would say within a mile radius, there's nothing. So if you want to be in these schools, in this area, it's really difficult. There's not been anything on the market for a year. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. So great. My story time is ripped from a call from yesterday where a marketing leader was expressing some frustration about an on site sales individual because they had a, an event coming up where the in the model home. Uh, an education event. I don't want to give too much about where the specific builder is or or what they do, trying to say it properly. But there was an educational event that was going to happen at the sales center on Saturday. And on Tuesday, salesperson called up and said, I would like to cancel the event due to lack of interest. And the marketer said, oh my gosh, you know, tell me, tell me more what's going on. And the sales rep said, well, I only have uh, six families scheduled to attend. And there's a couple of things that are are crazy about this uh, this scenario. The first is that the sales rep, in any scenario, whether there was an event or not that people were RSVPing to, would have to work on Saturday during the time period of this event anyway. So you're you're still going to be there, but you don't want to have the event because only six potential purchasers are going to show up. Meanwhile, 
other folks are, are wishing for six additional opportunities. And it just, my client used to use this word a lot when he would do public talks, but it, it reminds me of the need for what's called a shakabuku moment to happen. Uh, shakabuku was used in Gross Point Blank, one of the greatest uh, films of all time. Uh, if you're not familiar with this film, it's where there's a reunion, a high school reunion. And what's the, what's the actor's name? High Fidelity, he was in as well. John Cusack. John Cusack. Yes, it's a John Cusack film. So John Cusack is going back to his high school reunion and his profession is a professional hitman. So he's going back to see all these other people from high school and he's trying to kill someone at the same time. Uh, but that's where it's, it's a derivative of a Chinese word, um, which, which is similar, but shakabuku means a swift, a swift spiritual kick to the forehead that will leave your perspective forever changed. And what is necessary for sales, online sales, marketing owners. Uh, and I'm watching to different degrees of success, this, this shakabuku happening where they realize how much the market changed in May and continues to adjust as interest rates uh, rise higher. By the way, I, I need to apologize because I know I made the prediction in the first week of April that we might have 6% interest rates by the end of May. And I was 13, 14 days too early. So I apologize for that error on my part. I'll try to be more accurate in the future. But I remember, in fact, I, I should pull it up. We, we asked in the Facebook group, what do you, where do you think interest rates will be by the end of the year? And most people's answer, I believe, was still around 4%. Uh, Let's see if I can find it here real quick. But it's amazing how fast it has evolved. Yeah, here we go. So the answer was that oh, 71% uh, thought the interest rates would be between 5 and 6 by the end of this year. 25% said over 6%. Let's see who is in that amazing cohort of individuals. Uh, myself, Casey Bryan, Andy Gossman, Michael Tuskis, Paula DeYoung, Angela McKay, Andrew Peake, Cindy Plackmeyer, Amy O'Brien, Mark Robert, Jessica Seidel, Justin Heim, Christina Conlon, Perry Barbary, and Christina Duples Duplessis. Ah, but everyone else thought we'd be under. So here we are, changing market conditions. And so because of those changing market conditions, I'm hearing... Interesting things, not again, not from necessarily from builders we work with, just builders that I interact with or or um, who are who are reaching out to me. Um, builders who are um, backing out on potential land deals or not looking at new land deals for the moment. I know some uh, organizations have had to let some sales personnel go um, because new community is not coming online at the same speed, and then the current availability, and they're just trying to preserve, make sure the best salespeople have the opportunity. Um, to continue forward. Uh, obviously, interest rates at the time of this recording are, are roughly 6.3% for a 30-year mortgage. And it's the fastest increase uh, in a week for interest rates, I think, since 1987. So again, it's, it's not just where rates are. You're going to have people tell you nonstop about how these interest rates are no big deal because my... But also, back in those days, I don't think prices appreciated by 30% uh, a year for for two years in a row. Yeah. So there's lots of things we like to say to make ourselves feel better, but the market is shifting. And, and the quicker you have a shakabuku moment and just realize that that means your behavior and viewpoints needs to change, that means that you can come at it from, from not a sense of denial or fear, but a chance of a, a perspective of strategy and, and action uh, on things that you can control. And so because of that, we're going to take a quick break 
Not taking contingencies, Opendoor creates more opportunities by sending customers a preliminary offer within minutes. Plus, a builder sales associate, you can provide a flexible close date to help customers avoid double moves and mortgages by closing anytime from 14 days to nine months. Go to opendoor.com forward slash doyouconvert.com to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. And don't forget to ask about Opendoor Connect. This is an opportunity for you to list your homes on Opendoor's platform for a continuation of their overall fee structure for builders, which is no money. It's completely free, a completely free opportunity for you to, to, to list your homes on Opendoor and get in front of those people who have already made or requested an offer to purchase their existing home. And, it, and again, as I talk to builders, one of the things I keep, they just opened up three additional markets. They're now in 50 different markets in the country. I know Albuquerque, I think was one of the ones they just opened up, Cincinnati, uh, I forget the third. But in a world of uncertainty, if someone has a house to sell in order to secure your home, people want to be able to sell their home quickly because like you just mentioned, Becker, they're worried rates might go higher and, and that means that they might get less for their home. So they can get an offer from open door. They can lock in that purchase price and then still have up to nine months to close on their new home. And so why that wouldn't be something you're, you're considering using to reduce uncertainty right now. Again, go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more. But what we thought we would do after that little segue is just talk about some of the common questions we're hearing um, kind of openly. So, oh, great. Becca and Julie, you both kind of dropped in things that you're hearing on a regular basis yeah. uh, from your builders as well. Just pick one, one of your favorites. Where do you want to start, Julie? Let's talk about promoting rate locks. I have several builders who've asked me about this. They have some form of rate lock program. A few of them have been had more trouble about language and things because it's wishy-washy. It's like if they do this, then they qualify for this one, but maybe this one if they're using this. So um, how should they promote that and any advice on that? Good question. What you should do is try to be as general as possible on any page other than a specific home. But I, again, what we got to be careful of here is people don't buy an interest rate. They're still going to buy a home. And so the purpose of, of promoting that interest rate program or extended rate lock, it's not really about the terms. Certainly that'll get people's attention, but it's about telling them essentially, don't worry. We understand that that financing is something that you're concerned about might be reducing your ability to make a purchase. That doesn't need to be part of the initial consideration because we've got something that it can address that. But whether that number is four, four and a half, 200 days, 300 days, 100 days, all of that is really irrelevant if they can't find a home from you that they want to live in. And so this is something that, again, was very common uh, talking point in 09 and in 2010 when everyone was doing advertised discounts and incentives for the most part as a home building company, we didn't. And so when someone would walk in and say, Hey, you know, that builder down the street is offering 40 grand off. What is your promotion? If you just said, we don't do promotions and that was it, it was not the best tactic to take. What, what we trained our sales teams to say was absolutely. We have fantastic financing incentives available but all of those are are dependent upon the particular home that you choose. And so, yes, we, we have financial packages that can make homes affordable, but we need to find out if we have a house that you want. Because if not, 
uh, it's, it's not relevant. And also the financing is going to depend on the particular home that you choose. And that's really what we have to return to. So when we're talking about, when we're talking about talking about this stuff, the first question always needs to be, are we trying to convert people that we already know? Do we need a short burst of activity to get sales in the next two to four weeks? Or are we trying to use this to draw in new traffic? Anytime you're looking at a promotion or incentive of any kind, you have to clarify that with everyone as to what is the primary purpose of this. And actually, one of the builders that we work with, and this is not the marketer's fault and it's not the convert's recommendation, but they're running a huge advertised incentive discount program right now. We're talking up to like 75 grand off of a house. Now they have a lot of homes that are hitting the market all at once, several hundred. And, and they're in a market that's extremely competitive and has been one of the hottest markets. So there's, there's lots of, of background here that I could keep going into, but suffice to say they're, they're heavily promoting huge discounts and incentives. And, and I just was sharing with the team that actually um, their total number of leads has increased by 60% since January 1st, when this big incentive was promoted. However, when you look at the source of where that traffic is coming from, almost 80% of it is of that increase is from direct traffic, meaning people who are coming back, who when they start typing in the builder's domain, it auto-completes, or it says, hey, you've been here before, or they're typing in the domain because it's a place they've, they're used to, to going to. 80% of the incremental lead growth from that time period was people who had already interacted with them. And yet, I, th I think what's so amazing about that is this perception that if, if you throw out a big number like that and spend tons of money on advertising, that it must just be drawing in a bunch of brand new people who had no idea who you were, but said, wow, with price discounts like that, I've got to go check it out. So it really, to me, highlights that incentives and promotions uh, have a role, but it is primarily with people who have already expressed interest or been out to see you or in your CRM system. So that's the ideal place to start. If you are going to put messaging on your website or in ads, though, I think the best, the best course of action is to be general so that you're part of the conversation and you're inviting them to, to learn more about a specific community or home. And then, you know, see sales rep for details or see loan, loan officer for details on the specific item. That, that would be my thoughts. I don't, I don't know if anyone else has something else they want to add there to that. No, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some people might think that, well, I've got, I'm going to offer 2.75, so that should be the headline. But again, people aren't, what does that mean, really? 2.75 yeah. versus 3 versus 3.2. It, it, it all varies. All right, Becca, you got one? Yeah. Can I buy more traffic to make up for the lower lead uh, lead conversion? And how do I know that it's working? Okay. Time for the studio audience to think about this. Do we buy more traffic right now as lead volume and conversion is going down? My answer is no, this is not the time to do it. Not yet. When the market's shifting down like this, I think it's important to remember that market share is what's most important. There's only a limited pool. And the last two years and our recency bias doesn't want the rest of our company to understand this. But again, this company's shouting big discounts and increased 
advertising wasn't bringing in large amounts of new people from advertising sources. It was bringing people back. There's only so many buyers in the market right now. And so it's all about increasing conversion. And, and it's hard, again, for, for people who aren't in marketing or online sales to understand or comprehend. But I remember, Becca, when you were a builder, one of the companies in your like builder marketing group that you were doing yeah. Yeah. shared the story with us then. And so that was probably, gosh, 2018, 2000 or so. It had to be before 2018. Oh, really? I joined. Okay. So 2017. PYC. Wow. That's amazing yeah. that, so they remember they spent half a million dollars extra on Facebook yeah. lead ads over, I think six months period, each, yeah. each Facebook lead ad got, got nurturing campaigns in email, but no human interaction with them. And yeah. after six months, they only had five incremental sales off of extra half a million dollar ad spend. Yeah. That is incomprehensible to your CEO or division president that if you gave if they gave you the okay to spend an extra half a million dollars, that they might only sell five incremental homes. But that is possible and it, and it can happen. And once you spend that half a million, you don't have half a million to solve some other problem or to make your whole process more efficient. So there will come a time where ad spend will, I think, be more important. But overall, it's not website activity or general interest. Even right now, the latest um, latest insights from our aggregated data set shows that website traffic is actually inching higher in June than it was in May as builders are advertising. Um, so website traffic has actually shifted up a little bit, but conversion rates are still going down. And so it's all about conversion. H how do we look at our product, our price, our experience, our mortgage uh, uh, lending? So again, the whole, we, we have to think like a, a consumer package goods company and say, what is the best total package that we can present to the customer to either differentiate or add confidence and increase conversion rates? Um, that, that's really all that matters. And again, the analog in 07 was that builders would quickly run two full-page, full-color ads in the paper. But then after a year, they ran out of money to keep doing that. They realized it wasn't working. And then they had to go and pay the newspaper company to help them transition to digital advertising. And shockingly, that didn't go so well. So, <laughs> you know, the newspaper wasn't the best digital marketer of all time, but that was the only company left that they could afford to, to do, to try, try to make that, that pivot. Um, so no, I don't think right now, now, again, you could test this and, and probably should test this, but if after, after, if after a week or maybe two weeks of additional ad spend, you're not seeing the additional conversions coming through, hit the pause button, Tell the hard truth to your team. Tell a better story with data about how we need to use whatever additional resources you're allocating to go back and try to make the engine run, run better, get conversion rates higher. And, and as an extra aside here, just a little, a little bonus point is your lead to appointment ratio from the leads you are getting right now should be going higher. If it's not, that's another potential warning sign. Why do I say that? Because anytime lead volume is dropping, the lead quality by definition is going higher. And if you're interacting with those people uh, well, then you should be able to be converting them to appointments at a higher rate than you were before. So if your traditional conversion ratio on lead to appointments is 25%, it should be inching up to 35, 40. If it's traditionally 40, it could be going up as high as 50, 60, but it should be going higher. Which kind of leads into, we've had some concerns over what 
if your OSC is giving you feedback and concerns, worried about them not having enough opportunities, like how do you deal with that? How do you talk to them about the changing number of leads coming in? Yeah, and and um, we'll we'll dive back on this one uh, more robustly um, when Jesse Suggs joins us on I think next week's episode from, from an online sales perspective. However, um, the market is going to is is not going to. The market is going to be the one that decides what's right. It's not going to be what Kevin, Mike, Jen, Jesse say on this topic. But if you only get four phone calls a day now, when you used to get 14, if the fourth phone call comes at seven o'clock at night, you probably should answer it because there's only four phone calls. And so, um, again, I know everyone's tired, stressed out, worn out, feeling the, the stress and the pressure. but um, the the work life balance and being able to completely shut off at six is going to be something that the market is going to test. Again, it doesn't matter what my perspective is on that. Um, employers and home building companies will make the determination of how valuable each lead that they get is. Um, but I, I think um, being fully available, and, and the other thing that that Mike and Jen have and Jesse have been saying on calls is. This is not a time. Actually, let me back up real quick. Remember, 2009 was when this when this role really came into prominence. It existed in the mid 2000s. Uh, I think I first talked to Mike in two, early 2007 or late 2006 when he was an online salesperson. So the position's been around, but it was really 09 where it came to prominence. Be, not not to create more leads. It was because of a recognition that every lead was so valuable that you had to have someone who responded instantly to that in order to, back to you know, the phrase of the show, market share, in order to win market share, you had to out-respond your competition. And so that's a return of, of where we're headed to. It's, it's not going to, to, to look and feel the same way. I think making sure you're talking to um, and understanding how to use promotions and incentives as conversion tools to set appointments is really important too. Again, that might be a reason not to, to have everything and all the details on your website so that then they call and they ask about that generic language that you put on your site about, about buy downs or, or locks. And then the OSC can give them a little bit more information and say, this is why I need to get you on site. So um, I actually don't remember what the initial question was, but I remember, oh, so the, the part that, that Mike and Jen and Jesse have been saying is um, when in doubt, send them out. This is not a time for the OSC to be the, the go-between sifter of who's worthy or not worthy to go out on site. When in doubt, send them out. And if the sales rep is concerned about the quality of the lead you're sending, one, obviously you need to be um, careful. You don't want to set uh, a questionable appointment for 9 p.m. on Saturday evening, right? That's not, that's not a good idea. That's not <laughs> we'll what we're saying. friends. Um, but if you set it up for Tuesday at four, you still want to give a sales, the sales rep a heads up as to what the scenario is that should be in the notes that this is, but we were on a call with someone today, a sales manager who said, uh, I have three deals that got signed in the last 30 days, all of whom told us that they were at least a hundred thousand dollars under budget of any of our communities. Mm -hmm. So I have no problem. And, and if they do have a problem with the quality level, you're sending them. Uh, they need a shakabuku moment, or you just say, grab one of the pillows, those nice, soft, fluffy pillows in your model home and scream into it and get all your rage out and then come back 
and and give the best presentation of your life to the next traffic unit uh, or appointment scheduled for you. <laughs> you know, just any, anything that's coming your way is, is valuable. Let's do uh, let's do one more. Do we want to do the cost per lead thing? Sure. I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of questions about cost per lead. And I don't know if it's because someone trying to sell a service based on cost per lead is asking builders to quantify this. It's it's kind of interesting that that this has just popped up over the last week of, hey, Kevin, I need an industry benchmark of what cost per lead is right now. Now, here's the problem with that. I was with an owner of a home building organization who had been hanging out uh, with the CEO of a national home building company. And that national home building company as as builders will do, just wanted to brag a little bit <laughs> and used pulled a conference metric out of the air and said, hey, well, our average cost per lead at this large national home building company is $20. And that freaked the heck out of this other CEO who immediately went back to his marketer and said, what the heck? National home builders cost per lead is 20 and ours made up number here is 120. So how can you be you know, four or five times worse than they are. Well, let's just let's just break down. And this is this is just an entry point to the discussion. But if a national home building company is in Florida, Texas, California, Utah, Arizona, and the other organization is only in Iowa City, <laughs> um, guess guess what the cost per lead is still going to be in Florida, Texas, Utah, California, Phoenix, in comparison to Iowa, right? So one, the scale matters and efficiencies matter. The second is the market you participate in matters. And that's just that's just like the first part of why comparing cost per lead is bad. The second part is um, the the national company has multiple products multiple price points, multifamily, single family. The other builder only offered homes to home to, to 55 plus. So, so again, is that an apples to apples comparison? No. Then we're going to have to start making stuff up here, but, it, but it, it, is, it still follows through. What if one company's average margin on their sales is 40%? And, the, and there's a hard and fast rule that says we don't sell a home unless we make 40% margins because of all this uncertainty and volatility and we can only sell so much. And the other company that's public says, well, we have to get these homes sold. So we'll accept a 21% now and then to make sure it happens. Well, if you're advertising price points that are at 21% margins versus 40% margins, guess what's going to appeal more to the customer and guess which is going to get more leads. Um, so for, for, for all those reasons and more that we could go into for another 30 minutes, it's, it's, it is a conference metric that is really hard to compare. So then what do you do? Do you just say, well, Kevin said we can't use cost per lead, so we've got nothing to compare on? <laughs> no, that's not it either. Uh, the, the cost per lead has two parts to that equation, really. Um, the first part is cost, and the second part is leads. So on the cost side, if we break it down, in order to get a lead, we first have to have a visitor to the website. So what is your cost per click by ad source? And then when you look at that cost per click by ad source, is that, is that cost per click cost going up or down? Is it getting more expensive or less expensive? And in the case, again, of most of the builders we're working with, the cost per click is either basically flat with where we were back in April, or in some cases, slightly better than where we were in April. As other people stop bidding, 
I mean, Redfin and Compass both just laid off eight to 10% of their workforce. General real estate, probably not competing in the same way right now for some keywords as, as builders would. But if the cost is the same or slightly better, and you're spending roughly the same amount, then the cost part of your equation is constant. That's not the part to be concerned about. It's not the ads that are the problem. The conversion, again, goes back to your website. And it's and it's part of the, of the, but it's not just the website, meaning the UI and the images, but it's the price point and availability and, and all of the other pieces and parts that go into that. And so if your cost per, uh, um, visitor to the website is remained constant and you're not doing silly things like promising people free gas cards if they click or you know something crazy which we would never recommend you do but your your ads have a price point and a location and the and the relevant information then it again the the part that is on the hook here is is you the builder from a from a conversion standpoint and again, then that means you got to go back and look at messaging, which is why we have all the questions about rate locks and financing programs and what kind of messaging can we change? It goes back to competitive analysis and rapid competitive analysis at that. Being able to, you know, when, when you're trying to steal market share, you have to understand what every other builder in your market is doing and what the resale market is doing much better than you do in a scenario where the entire market is rising. Again, does it matter what the builder down the street is selling their homes for if you're the only one that has two finished inventory homes available? Do you say, well, what should we charge for this home? Let's go see what the competitor is doing. Let's go look at the resale market. You're just saying highest and best, or let's throw out a, a crazy number and they're they're probably going to take it. But in a in a situation where you're stealing market share, you are competing head to head with the other people around you, you need to know what is happening in the market and, and be on it and, and making sure that, that you're going to win. You know, maybe that's the question of the week this week. And we'll see if, if people want to share, uh, although without it being anonymous, <laughs> I have a feeling you probably won't what your average cost per lead is right now, but it is going to be such a huge range and so unhelpful or unrelevant to you that what you really need to do at the end of the day, again, which part of that and that calculation needs to be looked at and analyzed. The cost for the traffic unit or the conversion rate um, when they get to, to what we're offering. Analyze that. And then the most important metric is same or better. At the end of the day, if your cost per lead is going higher, it means one portion of that equation is broken. And, and that's your flashing red light to go pay attention and, and figure it out. But same or better is always the goal. And as long as it's improving, then then you're in a good shape. So again, any anything either one of you two want to add to that or further conversations um, you've had? Do you find that how people calculate their costs per lead also varies greatly? Like what's included mm. in that number? Like is it yeah. digital spend? Is it everything? What's part of your marketing yeah. budget that's added in that? Yeah, great point. Um, yes, there are some people who only look so you do want to um, analyze your cost per digital lead and your cost per traditional lead separately because it's interesting. Um, but however, it's not the best thing to do is still to look at your total advertising spend uh, across traditional and digital formats divided by the total number of names added to your CRM system because 
the outsized influence in today's world of digital means that the majority of your walk-in traffic units are there because of digital. And so if you're only looking at digital leads and digital spend, that's going to, that's going to throw things off um, as well. However, just like some home building organizations, um, shockingly still would consider anyone who's filled out an online form. uh, If they go to sale, they'd say, well, that was, that's from our online sales program, even though there wasn't a scheduled appointment. Um, There's people who say, well, our cost per lead is only calculated on the leads that responded. Or um, we only look at leads where the online salesperson said that was a valid lead. So guess what? In that scenario, the the math, again, anytime you change any one of these variables, well, now your cost per lead is actually probably higher because you're ruling out a bunch of leads. But then your cost per sale uh, and your conversion rate is going to be better. So um, again, I keep using the analogy of a Rubik's Cube. There's multiple variables and there's multiple ways to look at it. And so you... That, that that is also another reason why uh, we consider cost per lead a conference metric when you're from a comparison standpoint. It's not it's not really a very helpful way to think about it. Okay, actually, let me just pull up. I did a LinkedIn post as well where I just said, "Hey, ask me what you want," and put it in in the Facebook group. Which some of those questions uh, were the same, not surprisingly. Um. So, oh, here I thought this was a really really interesting one. John Wheeler from Paradigm said, what can a builder do today to be set up for an eventual slowdown? Which even when you were asking the question, John, the slowdown was here. So it's not eventual. Uh, how does that set them up to weather the peaks and valleys over time? And um, and so I'm just gonna, just gonna reiterate the points here. I said, number one, your entire sales and marketing department has to have a foundational belief that prospects and customers deserve on-demand personal attention whenever they want it. Lead scoring, not lead ratings, but lead scoring, because you can't actually interact with everyone individually is a more worthless idea now than it was two months ago. It's always been worthless, but it's even worse now. Every lead gets all of your attention because there is a limited amount, like I said before. Um, Allow for as much transparency and detail of your offering as possible online because it actually will create more leads. Again, there's this hesitancy. We're hearing, hearing, um, as an example, sales team saying, I I don't want to use this YouTuber thing because if there's less leads, and, so, and, a, and a prospect schedules to have a, a tour, an on-demand show, showing without me there, then I lose the opportunity. And again, I, I completely disagree. You would, you're, you're getting all the contact information that's verified for security purposes. So they can't put in Kermit the Frog and uh, <laughs> haha at gmail.com as their email address. They're not going to get access to the home. So you, you have their verified contact information. And it doesn't, it's not a, it's not a, well, they toured without me. So I have no chance. One, you can try to still be there if possible, that kind of Uberization model. Uh, Second, you need to follow up. But again, here's the trap. A lot of companies consider a scheduled tour to already be a handed off online lead to the sales team. So it's up to the sales team to follow up with those and Again, we know from countless shops and we're pulling more data right now, but the average on-site salesperson is still following up one, maybe two times using one and maybe two methods. And I actually was asking a group of division presidents uh, this question earlier this week when I did a training. And I said, would you rather have someone schedule a U-tour with your company or call the salesperson at the model home? And there was definitely some pause and some looking around, like, is this a trick question? I think it is. I don't want to look silly. 
But thankfully, most of them said, yes, we would rather have a U tour scheduled. And I asked them why. And one of them said, well, I think we've heard you, you do you convert folks say this before that bad salespeople are bad and good salespeople are busy. So the bad salesperson won't answer the phone. The good salesperson will be too busy to do it. And I said, exactly. Imagine that you're sitting down with a customer. So Becca, you're about to buy a home from me. And then Julie, right. Julie calls and I'm about to write the deal with you. Am I going to say, hold up, Becca, uh, just a minute. Someone's calling and make sure that I answer. Heck no. Oh. I'm going to make sure I secure the deal in front of me. Yeah. So, you know, there's three miracles that have to happen when someone calls a salesperson in a model home. First, we have to answer miracle number one. Miracle number two, we have to ask them for their contact information, the same amount of contact information we get from scheduling a U-tour. We have to translate, transpose that information onto a piece of paper or, or on our screen accurately. Okay. So that's miracle number two. Miracle number three is we have to then take that information that we wrote down on a, on a scratch pad and put it into the CRM system. Do you want to rely in a world where there's limited lead volume on those three miracles happening? All, Cause all <laughs> three of them have to happen. Yeah. Or do you want to get that leads, leads contact information, have verification that they went inside your home, know how long they were there, uh, and then have the opportunity to continue to follow up and, and nurture that lead forever. I mean, this yeah. is not a, this is a, not so, rocket science. Yeah. Um, back to John's question, uh, rapid competitive, competitive analysis is number three, number four, invest in content and revamp every opportunity for prospects to convert again, YouTuber chat, click to call, click to text, all these things need to return staff up appropriately for online sales and hybrid sales. Again, 2009, we realized that we needed to staff appropriately because there was only a limited number of leads. And then I got really snarky on number six. Do all of this for the last two years, like we've been begging you to at Do You Convert being, <laughs> versus being obsessed with a buy now button. I still haven't <laughs> talked to anyone who said, well, we thought June might slow down, but this buy now button saved us. Consumers just can't stop clicking it. They just go and just buying like crazy because we have a button. And you know, the button's not saving you. Uh, so hopefully for the last two years, you've been investing in these other things. Otherwise, get, get moving, get moving fast. Let's just round out with uh, not necessarily, well, I just, I just want to give you all a little bit of insight in our aggregate data set. So uh, on average across North America, home builders organic traffic right now is about 25 to 30% below 2021. Again, um, website activity is basically flat now with 2019, and it really is just conversion ratios that are lower uh, builder to builder. And I think it's really interesting. I, I've we've had lots of calls with owners who are not nervous, have a plan, whether that be um, you know, getting excited about single family homes that only have two bedrooms because they actually will be affordable. Um, there's also some silver line opportunities of existing homes may not return to the market and the numbers necessary to keep, to keep this whole thing moving. And that might mean that new construction, regardless of the price is going to be pretty much the only option. So um, get, stay excited. If you're in, if you're in marketing and you're listening to this, this is not a time to be worried. This is a time to focus on what you can control and to steal market share. And, and the fun thing is now you get to go um, home unless you work from home and you stay right where you are. 
but you know exactly what you contributed and the impact you had in your organization each day. This is, we've talked about this before of just, um, when, when, you know, homes were sold just with an email and DocuSign, you're like, did all that stuff I do today, did it really matter? You're going to know exactly what mattered. And, uh, and we're here to help you and looking forward to, to walking through it all with y'all. This is going to be a fun time. I promise. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, sure Ju- Julie, you were, you went through, it was 2009, 2000 to 2012. Yeah. How terrible were those years of your life? I was there. How terrible were the years yeah, the, of my life? Yeah. My, my life was still good. Yeah. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was um, you know, it was a different market, but it's as long as I think for me and what I told y'all earlier, sometimes I think we get reactive instead of responsive. So somebody yeah. else within your organization or a customer or media is giving you some feedback and we want to react. You know, I had somebody who's like, we need more leads. And I was like, oh no, they need more leads. What do we do? But then when we step back, look at everything, look at our needs, what we need to do, then you're coming from a place of responding and it all feels much calmer and like things we can handle. So I think it's just um, keeping us away from that reactive zone and responding to what's really happening. Yeah. Counterintuitive, but but don't be Becca when she was a, a realtor, and uh, and and avoid people. You know, you, you know, the the more that you can leave other things on, you know, you're the one leaving things on your boss's in your boss's inbox. You're the one proactively reaching out and checking in yes. on the sales people and the sales management and and involved in it versus, like you said, just waiting and hoping no one calls you. But then every time they call you, they're just gonna be venting and and dropping a pile of, you know, what in your lap. So get proactive, roll up your sleeves and, and kind of lean into it. I think that's great advice. All right. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Marketproof marketing is proudly supported by open door. Visit opendoor.com forward slash. Do you convert to learn how you can partner with open door to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peake, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.